0: Welcome to the JMS Podcast, fellow listeners. This is your host, Jorge M. Sanchez. Thank you for tuning in. If this is your first time tuning in, well, welcome. This is my show, the JMS Podcast. You can check out the full extent of the content available at the JMS Podcast website at jmspodcast.com. Please follow the JMS Podcast on social media, on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And don't forget to donate at Patreon. You can sign up for the email list at the homepage of the website. And if you need to send me any kind of information, maybe you just want to say hello, you can email me at jmspodcasts at gmail.com. then. I'm recording this on a Saturday, you know, right before my Sunday deadline. I think we'll be okay. I just want to welcome you guys to another great episode. Today we have a, a friend of mine. He is a comedian by the name of Kike Ochoa. Uh, an interesting character. If you have seen his comedy, you know what I mean. And on top of that, I had a great talk. And it was definitely not comedy oriented. This gentleman went through a lot in his life. And uh, it was just fascinating to hear his his journey. Not just creatively, but you know, life. Just life in general. We really get into it. Uh, I just got off the the, the heels of a show I, I performed at the Superstack Comedy Show in Willow Glen. And man, that is a great room. Check it out. It happens twice a month. Search for Superstack. It is run by uh, great buddies of mine who are for Scotty Regulars, uh, and and it's such a great show. Great turnout, and uh, they're bringing a lot of great talent. I had a great set. Uh, it was okay set actually. I, I kind of in the middle of my set, I I did a new joke I shouldn't have done. Especially on a showcase like that. So that's the only regret I have. But other than that, I think it was a pretty good set. And a special shout out for them for for putting me on. You can check out my comedy. On top of that, you can check out my comedy room at Frascati in downtown San Jose. It's every Wednesday from 8 to 10 p.m. And it is technically an open mic. So if you want to sign up and say a couple jokes, you're more than welcome to. Uh, On Thursday, I was invited by the Awesome Foundation, the good folks who gave us a grant to do the JMS podcast art event, to go to a party of theirs. I believe it's an annual party, and I was invited to be a panel in the party, which was a great privilege. And and thank the seriously thank you to to Mark and his team at the uh, at the Awesome Foundation for inviting me. Uh, I got to admit, you know, I was a little sleep-deprived. I was a little out of it, and I, I came out, I think I came out sounding much smarter than I really am, so thank you. Although, it was a little awkward, uh, because the other panelists, who were the, also the winners of the grants of, of uh, other months, uh, they are truly doing God's work in some way. Uh, these these two lovely ladies, who, who one, I believe, started a, a coding campaign, and the other one is helping... Uh, Feed people, and pretty much these other two panelists were saving lives and livelihoods. And then you got me there, who's just I just basically just talk. That's all I do. I just talk to people. So I I, I did have a little bit of imposter syndrome, uh, but I think we had a good time. I I was uh, the the great mighty Mike McGee was moderating the panel, and uh, of course uh, with him on you know steering the ship, I'm sure everything was gonna go great. So I just want to give a shout out to the Awesome Foundation. And they're doing amazing things. And if you have a great idea, please apply for a grant at the Awesome Foundation. Just go to awesomefoundation.com. It's a great organization. It's super easy to apply. Come on, like a guy like me did it. You can do it as well. All right, uh, just following back. Uh, so last episode, I, I confessed that I'm going to have surgery pretty soon. I'm going to have my gallbladder removed. Ooh, I know that's crazy uh, and it, so pretty much all I knew last week was that I had a pull up a mass uh, about almost two inches and so they they really think it's very important to remove it as soon as possible and so I had a I had an appointment and I met up with the actual surgeon uh, and I was like alright this is the guy that's gonna be inside me pretty soon right so I wanna make sure uh, we are on a uh, good good level right I mean cuz you don't want a guy that doesn't like you to be all up in there right so I try to be as nice as I can the guy was a little late so he was a little frustrated so I'm a little nervous I go man like Jesus (laughs) he looks like he's a he's pretty mad (laughs) Uh, but you know as soon as he he came to me he consulted me he was very nice and very professional and he he let me know he let me know that he is the guy he is a specialist in doing surgery around the liver area so uh, he assured me I am in good hands and it's like, all right, that's the kind of guy who went inside me. You know, he's reassuring me. He's going to take care of me. Uh, I find it weird. I I, I don't know. I'm still kind of processing it. Uh, once again, I was really hoping to leave this world the way I came in. So uh, it's a lot, a lot to take in for me. A lot to take in, especially when you're told that they don't understand why the mass is so big. And the number they gave me is 10%. There's a 10% chance that the pull-up is actually cancerous yeah 10% it, well it technically would be one window because it, let's say it is cancer they already removed the gallbladder so the problem would already be taken care of and if it's not cancer well at least you know you removed the pull-up and uh, yeah so the, the way they put it removing the, the, the gallbladder will either way will be a good thing for me and my insides and uh, It's weird It's just weird uh, I, I, I um, These kind of things Really make you self reflect of, of Really looking at your life Real hard And Really dictating What Really matters And where do you want to go In life and I think that's a, that's something I really needed right now. I think for the past year or two maybe, I, I did feel a little stagnation. You know, as great as this podcast is and as great as, you know, the comedy has been going, I, I, I've i let go of some prospects that I do find fulfilling. And maybe this is just a big wake-up call. You know, this is a big shake-up saying, Hey, uh, you're not going to be in this world forever. And, uh... You know, I'm going to take out one of your organs so you get the picture. So like, I get it. I get it. All right. Well, I didn't mean to depress everybody. I'm just putting it out there. I don't. Uh, the surgery date is October 1st, and so I don't know how that's going to affect the scheduling of this podcast. So hopefully by then I have enough interviews to put out, even though uh, I won't be available for a weekend. Uh, so, regardless, we I am planning for this podcast to go full steam ahead without any hitches. So, fellow listeners, don't worry. There will be more to come. And, uh, and I'm okay. All right? I, I am just okay. Processing everything, of course. But, you know, I have been spending a lot more time with my friends and family. So, so uh, knocking on wood, hopefully everything goes well. All right, this is my talk with Kiki Ochoa. Let's go straight to it. Great guy. Um and uh, again, like I just talked to him was great. I never knew him at, at this level, you know. Of course, we're comedians; we bust each other's balls. But you know, to really sit down with him and, and and really talk about his life journey, it's like God damn, this guy's gone gone through a lot. You know, I, I don't have much to bitch about. <laughs> so here here is my conversation with Kike Ochoa. <laughs>
1: Not blacking myself with the mic stand and.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're we're good. So you went shopping earlier? Is that where you're coming from?
1: No, nah, I was gonna go, but Hayward doesn't have a good uh service. What do you mean? Customer service they're the, shitty The city. Yeah, the city is. Why? What do you mean? i don't know i think you know what hayward we try too much to be like oakland we're so trying to like we try so hard to emulate oakland that we kind of embarrass ourselves we're kind of like the latino urban crowd it's kind of like you know when the white kid is trying to like emulate black person it looks super stupid yeah yeah, yeah. we kind of like to do that to ourselves sometimes but what does guy do with service uh, they like, have their ghetto. Have you seen the episode of Dave Chappelle when they go to the copy, to the copy machine place? Okay. Yeah. And everybody's like, "How can I help you?" And then he's like, "Oh, snap. Well, let me talk to your manager then." And then the manager is like, and he's the same person who's helping him out. He's like, "I am the manager. Oh, snap. You are the manager. Oh, snap. That kind of attitude. So like trying try to act hard. Yeah, we act too hard. We try too yeah, hard, and we, we act
0: too hard. Yeah, yeah.
1: So, did you grow up in Hayward? I never
0: grew. Yeah. <laughs> 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 For the listeners who don't know, uh, uh, Kike,
1: he's a uh, he's a little uh, height challenged. <laughs> um, I have a vertical vertical uh, disability. <laughs> <laughs> How tall are you, by the way? Like, I'm f- five one and three quarters. But I like to when I. T- but you rock it, dude! You totally rock
0: it. Well, thank you. I, I you, you don't. And essentially, because you really don't have that, you know, uh, short person, pugnacious attitude, you know? Like, you're, you're
1: very calm and laid back. I tried to be most of the time. I was a little asshole before because I was so uh, self-conscious about my height. Yeah.
0: How, how did it manifest itself? Like, what would you do?
1: What did I do? I would just... I think... Like, how were you an asshole? I, I would... I would try to compensate by being loud yeah, yeah. and, like, jump around like a jumping being. I mean, I always had uh, extra energy, but instead of, like, doing things like play basketball or try to play a sport, I would just, like, act a fool like, to try to compensate for, for, for my height, you so, know? So were you the class clown? Yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah. you
1: made yeah. people laugh? All the time in class, and that's when I realized... When I took theater, I was like, hey, I've been making people laugh for free all this time. I've been working for free like a slave, and now I'm trying to like get actually do it for for a living now. Okay, let's start from the beginning though. All right, so you, you did not grow up in in Hayward. No, I, I I lived in I was raised in Mexico from the time I was two. What state of Mexico? Michoacan. Oh, oh, that's right. Yeah, We're,
0: yeah. Are we our are, are families
1: near each other? Uh, Aguililla Michoacan. That's where, yeah. So, and my family is mostly from Morelia. Oh area. man, you guys are good. Uh, you guys are very uh, proper. Pro- what does that oh, mean? Oh yeah, don't 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 go to Aguililla talk about uh, my family from Morelia. Yeah, cause they already have the kind of like. So you think you're better than us, kind of thing.
0: Is like <laughs> a small town?
1: <laughs> yeah Okay Nosotros somos los, We're the rancheros We're the, the Yeah 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 The peasants And you guys are like They are pretty well educated oh. Morelia has a reputation For being Very proper Well
0: I don't go there often So I guess Yeah no. that's
1: why you don't know That's why you don't yeah. know But I know I've been to Morelia And I've been yeah. to
0: Do they treat you differently
1: In Morelia as yeah, opposed to like, they're, I they're, they're more proper they're more like hi how are you more like kind of like French <laughs> so nice they're <laughs> they, they kind of like they're Mexicans but they have the French attitude kind of like hello uh-huh. how are you good morning you know that kind of thing it's French to be you know say hello good yeah, morning yeah with like the attitude you know the French people are like so high on mannerism you but, know? but
0: a lot of the French are kind of rude what are you talking about they have yeah. a reputation for being rude. Well, I guess the, the from Paris, specifically. They, they, the they, Parisians.
1: They may have, like, the reputation for being, like, walk with their noses up, like, I'm yeah. better than you, but they still act polite. But yeah. anyways, yeah. So at, wanna, at
0: two years old, since, like, from
1: birth to two years old. Yeah. W- w- I was here, well, I was born here, and then at two years old, my dad, my mom divorced, and then I my dad took us to Mexico.
0: Uh, did your mom stay here?
1: My mom stayed here with the uh with the with the head with the Sancho. Oh um, no. Yeah it happens. Yeah <laughs> it happens so she stayed with the Sancho and What line that. of work was your dad? What 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 did he say? Like what
0: kind of work did your dad do? Oh construction
1: worker. Okay. He did construction worker, he uh did all all other side jobs and yeah. stuff. And did you have siblings? Uh, shoot, man. For my dad, we five of us. For my dad and mom, we five of us. For my. It's, the total is nine boys and four girls. Oh, wow. So big family. It's a big family.
0: And, I, and at two years old, when they split up, were you the youngest? I, w-
1: I was the youngest from my. Yeah, I was the yeah. youngest at the time. And
0: your dad took all, all you guys to Mexico? Well, four,
1: four of us, yeah. And then my mom had all their. Three kids with another guy. Did you still
0: maintain a a relationship with your mom after you moved out to Mexico?
1: Nah, no. My dad took us away and kind of like kept us from seeing my mom. But I don't like, the dude, I don't know, man. I found out. I never really spent time with my dad because he went to prison.
0: Oh, for what? In Mexico?
1: He was a mule, man. Oh. He was uh, transporting illegal substances. Who's transported some goods, huh? Yeah, but you know, god damn it. I never got to spend time with that guy. You know, it's like and I still don't have any money. There was no money saved up. They was like yeah. a fucking like the typical Latino wannabe drug dealer who never saved up any fucking money now. They you spend know? it? Yeah. Yeah yeah. And I never got to fucking I was actually just second to my brother yesterday. I went to Modesto to catch up because I haven't spoken to him in eight years because he was married to this one witch that I didn't like. And I got the news. I got the news that he was he uh, split up. And I was like, what? Hey, dude, I'm coming over. <laughs> I'm finally coming over to see you. Right, I went right. down there and I got to see yeah. him and I got to tell him, like, hey, fuck, dude. We, like, our dad didn't really give us, a, like, a... Like a set of uh, uh, a fundamental morals and principles that would allow us to have a foundation, you know. Well, okay, so he, you guys go over there too.
0: He's, you know, in the drug trade apparently. But how much time did you spend in Mexico?
1: I spent twelve years because I came back when I was fourteen. And, and okay, so when you're fourteen, is that when your your father went to prison? No, 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 no. He went to prison when I was. Uh, 5 6 uh, then who raised you my there? grandma my aunt one one of my aunts and then another aunt i went from one household to another household i literally lived in different environments H- how frequent w- were you moving oh man like every 8 6 months i was with a different relative and it w- was just was it
0: just you or with your brothers and sisters
1: my brother's kind of My older brother is going to stay consistent, you know? Yeah. Uh, Me and my other sister, we were jumping around left and right. She lives in Delaware right now. Yeah. And we jumped around from family member to family member, from even people that were friends of the family, you know? Right. Whatever, like... They
0: opened their doors to you.
1: Not like that. It was more like, oh, wow, fuck. Are we going to let this motherfucker starve to death? Ah, so yeah, as as a kid, I didn't really realize that. Now, as an adult, I'm like fuck. So how did you process it as a kid then? Did you, like, I didn't, I didn't know, I didn't know. I didn't know you, I just, didn't, you just went along with it, told you, and you you didn't question it. You just, yeah, I didn't, I didn't know. Like, I would go from like one strict Catholic household to a complete liberal rebel mm-hmm. household, and I'd be like. Okay, well we can say fuck Oh, I can say chinga tu madre You know, fuck your mother Oh, cool I will fucking stop by my other relative's house Say, oh yeah, fuck What? Pow Fucking, they will let me have it right then and there You got spanked a lot? Oh boy, I wish I got spanked only But fuck, man You got the, the Latino attitude, man They will throw shit at me cooking pants and shit like that sometimes. I got good at ducking and moving, like the stick and move. Yeah. But I wasn't sticking nothing. I was just moving. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't a boxer. I was just, I had the moves of a boxer. Like, oh, shit. <laughs> but I never, yeah, but... Were you going I, to school in Mexico? I went to school in Mexico. I went to school. I started late. I started school. I started primary school when I was eight years old and all the kids were looking at me weird. Like, what the fuck? What, what is this fucking eight year old kid in first grade. Yeah. What's going on with That must have been tough, right? Yeah, it was it was tough but I kinda like some of the kids at school kinda knew and their parents were like don't, don't business. So, so they knew of your situation Some some parents And they were very fucking respectful And others Other kids they didn't know Because they didn't know And they were kids You know right. you, I don't I don't I don't think I'd be Any bullied From like school I don't begrudge anybody
0: mm. they, Wait, Were you still bullied? But yeah, from for, for the first graders,
1: first graders, all the kids at school and stuff. But I don't begrudge them. The only people I kind of begrudge for a very long time were my relatives. Interesting. Uh, yeah, I know, I know, right? I, I was I was supposed to like, be really angry at the kids that beat me up and say shit to me, but I'm more I hold the grudge more towards uh, relatives that were supposed to protect me in mm-hmm. in all sorts of ways, but instead. They did kind of like the opposite, but anyways, man, life goes on, so fuck it, All you right. know.
0: So at fourteen, what made you to decide to go back to the United
1: States? I was uh, working as a freaking uh, uh, merolike, merolike, or something like that. They call it. You know, you ever, you ever seen the guys at the flea market? Uh, in Mexico, I don't know if you ever been to Mexico and seen the guys that that they sell the like, healing uh, uh, products. Uh-huh. Like yeah, uh, yeah, I know what. You're uh, talking about. Like uh, pomada for the for the uh, uh, yeah yeah. What you call the uh, the athlete's foot and shit like that? Uh-huh. I be the kid talking about para los callos, los nezquites, and yada yada. I I be the kid and I was shameless. I was shameless because I was getting. I was getting... Well, you were hustling. You were selling. Stuff, yeah. Right. I was selling pomadas at uh, 9, 10 years old. And I liked that kind of attention. Sometimes people would see me in dirty clothes with, like, riptop shoes and stuff. Some people would just hand me out money to me. They would, like, stick it in my pocket. <laughs> they wouldn't buy me the fucking thing. They just saw this kid, you know, in raggedy clothes. And Trying to sell stuff yeah. in the corner, and thank God, like the the dudes that the they had me selling their products, were kind enough to like, uh oh, you know what? They gave it to him. We're not gonna take that money from that kid. So oh, will, so
0: you kept one hundred percent of the money?
1: Some of the no, 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 no. Like the money the people will hand me right. without selling the medicine. Yeah, yeah. They will. I will keep that money. But if, any medication that I sold, I will I will give it to 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 the to my boss and he would give me a fifty percent or thirty percent of what we made every day. How How'd
0: you get involved in that at a
1: young age? Like, uh, was it family or was it just someone you met? Uh, You're like, some, hey, let me let me work for you. Some somebody I knew through some family members. Yeah, I I went to downtown. Uh, this was in Apatzingan. This wasn't in Aguililla. In Aguililla, I sold charrones, pork rinds. Right. But in Apatzingan, I lived there. After, I went from Apatzingan to Aguililla and then back to Apatzingan. And, uh, and then Apatzingan, that's where... Apatzingan, Michoacan is a very hot area. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and anyways, uh, I met somebody through family members. And I was like, hey, uh, I can probably help you sell this shit. And they're like, really, can you? The first day, shameless. No no gifts, n- no fucks. I gave no fucks. <laughs> I was just shouting out. And I was like I would, Hey dude I was like Ladies on sandals I be like Ma'am I think you need Some of this pomada For your feet And then they were like They would just laugh And people would be like Damn this guy Is a good salesman And I would just So you had a sense Of humor at that age I had a sense of humor Where do you think uh, That came from Since you came In such a, a dire situation Uh Mexico I think uh, This is what I was telling My coworker the other day uh, people from Michoacán Terra Caliente I don't know if the uh, Yeah I don't I don't uh, We are very We like to clown We like to clown We're not as reserved As other people I think Mexico Maybe Latin America in
0: general But definitely From my Mexicans There is a, a huge yeah. Sense of humor Ingrained in the culture Yeah A yeah. lot of shit talking And a <laughs> but on top of that like also like very dark humor like like the, the, the concept of death is not scary to, to Mexico it's just a yeah. part of life and there's yeah. a lot of jokes about it <laughs> and, and sex as well it's like it's yeah. like, so I think you're right and you know what it's funny you say that because yesterday yeah. I was thinking you know because we, we we were at the gig at Slap Face Coffee yeah. we, we did comedy there yeah. uh, uh, and I was thinking that you know what Mexico kind of like You kind of need A sense of humor To kind of survive that place Yeah Cause uh, People gonna fuck with you And you gotta you know
1: Yeah you gotta we, learn How to cope with them Yeah and Laughing about it Is one of those things Laughing about it and, and talking shit back Yeah
0: But yet when I see Like a stand up special From uh, a comedian from Mexico <laughs> I don't find it that funny I don't know yeah. It's weird well, like, like I find like people That live in Mexico yeah. funny Yeah <laughs> But not the actual comedians Is that weird
1: Yeah we had actually, uh, <laughs> we, we had a <laughs> my neighbors in Mexico. One, <laughs> they were like, Oh man, your mom, your mom is a puta, man. Your mom is a, your mom is a hoe. And they're like, So what? At least charges on like yours. <laughs> they're like, Yeah, dude, yeah, my mom might be a hoe, but she charges on like your mother. She's a, a, a dumb hoe, <laughs> and it was just that, that kind of humor, man. That kind of humor. So we were uh, clowning, you know, talking about talking about sex and stuff like that, and mm-hmm. how we clown about it. So like yeah. my neighbors, sometimes they would clown on each other, like, "Oh, your mom is a hoe." No, like, well, at least she charges, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And like your mother, she's a chip hoe, you know. Right, right. And that kind of, you know, like cause some of them was kind of true, and they. There is no actual frustration sometimes. And I think I noticed old school Mexicans don't have. I don't even think they knew what depression was. People yeah. like either work two jobs and get hammered and then just. Monday, go back to work and to your next job. I don't think the old school. That's when a lot, That's when a lot of old school Mexicans come to the United States and have kids, and then their kids experience depression because uh, they want to do well in school and they want to accomplish dreams. Where the old generation, they just they they were always used to like having a boss, yeah, and yeah. and working for two or three different jobs. Well, it's different because yeah. in
0: that situation you're making money to live. Literally, yeah. yeah. Like, 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 yeah. Like the, these, this, the basic pleasures of life were, yeah. Again, like, you were lucky if you had enough money, but yeah. now with the new, you know, American, um, uh, uh, uh generation, it's like you got to make money not just to live, but you know, to to have stuff, to have, yeah. you know, to have the, the latest technology, the oh, latest yeah. stuff. Yeah. And I, I don't know that. I think they could add a lot to a, a lot of bullshit sense of like. I you, that, that can get in a way of people feeling fulfilled because that's the thing yeah, yeah. It's, it's like when you feel productive and fulfillment that's how you kind of in some ways stay away from depression
1: yeah yeah. Well, and the thing is I mean I don't know if it makes sense to you but it, the thing is like you become aware of what you or what you can do for yourself and 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 for others mm-hmm. and old school Mexicans they just they just knew that they had to work uh, What uh they knew that they were capable of making a living but they weren't able it wasn't given to them through books and education that they were able to do something greater than they, were, their parents and grandparents had already done for generations
0: mm-hmm.
1: now as we experience through books education that we can become our own bosses but in order to become your own boss you have to sacrifice certain things right like like you, you got a day job, but uh, besides your day job, you you wanna do, you wanna create your own your own label, whether it's music or your own brand, uh, sure, yeah, to sell it out, and it's something that you're gonna own and something that you're willing to put twenty four seven on your own product, yeah, you know. Whereas, you know, that wasn't given to you, grand, your grandpa, or your great grandpa. It wasn't right. given to them. And, and that's what makes you a little bit depressed and frustrated. Whereas old school Mexicans, we just, like, they're just... But it's a balancing,
0: though. There might have not been, you know, the, the um... Our ideals of depression, but there's certainly re- repression, though. Like, uh, those uh, generations of repressed people in that environment. Uh, you know, whether expression-like or within you know, uh... uh Sexually as well, you know, because the, uh, the hard workers as hard workers they are, but you know they kind of keep a lot of emotions down.
1: Oh yeah, and that's when alcohol comes in, yeah. and then they kind of suppress, and then they go back to work <laughs> the next day and they take it out on the on the shovels and the digging and all that stuff. That's kind of where they, that's kind of where they take their frustration, you know, working hard and and just doing yeah. what they're supposed to be doing, and it kind of helps them. With their physical labor, bit mm-hmm. you know their backs are gonna break eventually. They're 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 gonna de- get injured eventually. But
0: so here we are. You're at fourteen. You're slinging out you know th- this foot cream. You're selling. You have a sense of humor. You seem to be pretty good at it. So what made you the move to the United States?
1: Well, there was no no actual money. My dad kind of he came out of prison. But after he came out of prison he remarried with somebody who already had three kids and then he gets her pregnant while he's with the child with his child and I had already I'm going through puberty and all that stuff. I'm liking girls my armpits my armpit stinks and nobody's telling me why I got hair growing on my arm under my armpit. I had a, you know nobody told me all those things. Nobody told me I was gonna start liking girls. Nobody told me any of that. Nobody told me how to, you know.
0: Were you what? looking for guidance? Were you looking yeah. for a father
1: figure? I was always looking for for a father figure. Did you find uh, anyone? Uh, nah, I never really found a father figure. Uh, I always knew that there was a God, and that's all. I kind of, I never really lost faith in God. Mm. I'm not. Th- I'm not gonna start preaching here because I'm not those uh, extreme evangelical guys. Who no, but uh, there's always there's always a God. There's always a God. But yeah, I was always looking for guidance and some sort of uh, <clears throat> guidance and uh, the somebody who's uh, willing to like be caring and and nurturing towards me, and and that wasn't really given to me. And because it wasn't really given to me, I kind of closed my heart. My the doors of my the doors to my heart kind of like locked all throughout high school until I got to college. I started kind of like happening in again. So you, okay, I get that. But again, why did you move here to the
0: United States at fourteen?
1: Uh, I came to fourteen. My brother just out of the blue. My older brother's like, "Hey, you wanna know where you're from?" And I was like, "What do you mean? Yeah, you wanna see where you were born?" I was like. What do you mean? He's like, yeah, you want to go back to California? I was like, shit. I started packing my shit. Oh, because I already distanced myself from my dad, you know, who wasn't really there for me. I was like, I got nothing here. I was like, I want to know. And this was after school. Right after school, it was out of the blue. Out of the blue. And uh, I packed my stuff. This was on a uh, a Monday. He's like, well, Wednesday, we're going to head out. Yeah. And boy, he was not joking. I was like, ah, this guy's probably playing a prank on me or whatever. Nah, dude, we got on the. Uh, it's not a greyhound. It's like a classic greyhound. That goes from Patingan to Morelia. Yeah. <laughs> and from Morelia, we we flew to to Guadalajara, and then from Guadalajara, we stayed in a uh, in TJ for a couple of days and then I came to San Fernando Valley with my aunt
0: mm-hmm.
1: and then I came Was there
0: a problem crossing the border
1: considering you are already a citizen? No, no it was no it was no it was no big deal no mm-hmm. so I you, mean, they had a few your... questions they had a few questions but then they called my aunt and stuff like hey is this your they asked her like the questions to see if they concluded with my answers right and then they're like alright after like an hour or so they're like nah I can hell out of here
0: yeah. How, what was your reaction When you crossed that border And you saw I was The like, United States
1: I was like I'm here I'm here I'm I felt I don't know I felt hopeful I was like I feel uh, I don't know how to explain it But it was a good feeling It was a good feeling And then uh, And then I get to see The first Black dude Wearing a blue bandana In San Fernando Valley And I'm like What the fuck This guy because he was one of those, like, you know, one of those scripts, you know. I didn't know nothing about gangs back then, you know. I was like, oh, shit, this guy. And I'm yeah. examining this dude that I have never seen in my life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, black people have been discriminated all their lives. And now, like, I'm looking at this six, six feet dude. Tall guy, yeah. Tall black dude with a blue bandana. And I'm, like, examining this guys, like, with the bandana and I'm wondering like why is this guy wearing a bandana on his head and one on his uh, left side packet mm-hmm. and <laughs> he's like what's up and I'm like okay and I kept him moving that was my first experience dude my <laughs> first encounter with a black person in America dude <laughs> it was kinda it was kinda weird man I felt like yeah. I don't know, it was different it was I, was I mean I was excited about it about meeting people from different cultures you know I was very curious about things like that you know uh-huh. So, yeah. so you stayed at San Fernando Valley? For like uh, three months, three four months mm-hmm. with and my aunt. Where, yeah. Where'd you go from there? I came to Hayward, California. With family? Yeah, my mom. My mom and uh, the stepdad. Okay.
0: So, and by this time, like, you are going to school, right? How, how was that like?
1: It was at the school where I went. It was called the ELC in Hayward. And... ELC stands for English Language Center. They had like the actual proper, they have the very well categorized, uh, what you call it. That had, it was very well established, you know, like ESL1, ESL2 and stuff like for like people who are just fresh off the boat and people who have been here off and on or whatever or people who already know some sort of English and stuff. And uh, and that's where I kind of learned English, you know. Did you find it easier to fit in with the American kids? Because of that, because of the ELC, yes, we had people from Africa, we had people from uh, Portugal, Russians, we had a lot of uh, Ukrainians. Uh, uh,
0: that must have been crazy, right? You kind of realize that there's a huge world out there. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't coming from like you know the countryside of Mexico. Yeah. You know, like, like literally with holes in your shoes and dirty clothes and now you're in the United States now, with, with all these people from all over the world.
1: Yeah, and now I'm showering in a, in a bath, you know, like taking a bath in a, uh, in a uh, what you call it, the little sprinkle. The uh, shower? The shower. I'm in the shower. I don't have to like <laughs> scoop water out of a bucket. Uh-huh. To pour it in my head when I'm showering, so that was like the culture shock and, and wooden floor, carpet floors and all that stuff. I'm like, damn, I was playing soccer in a rocky pavement or on broken pavement, and now I'm here walking on wooden floors. Carpeted floors and stuff like that. I'm like, damn, this is different. Mm-hmm. I never. I mean, I don't know, man. If it, it felt good, and it kind of got bought into that freshness, America. You know, I've been watching the videos that I didn't understand. You know, I'm watching JC with the I love girls, 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 and I'm and and that kind of deviated my mind to wanting that rather than education you know because yeah. uh, again no communication with mom it just well, is, you know you mentioned that you you still had bitterness in your heart you said oh you yeah it your was, heart. it was it was uh, it was installed on me by you know the different the sequence of events that happened throughout my childhood whatever you want right. to call it you know and, did, and,
0: did that manifest itself when you're here in the United States at Hayward?
1: Yeah, yeah. Cause uh, I wasn't really listening to my mom, and I wasn't really listening to anybody else. And I, and then the idea that my mom didn't raise me, cause she didn't, it also kind of manifests itself as well. I wasn't really listening to my mom, and she wasn't really the best speaker. You know, she was she wasn't the best communicator either. So so I started just. Uh, I was started doing like the first five months of school I was trying to pay attention. I was doing decent and then after a year I just kinda like started cutting school. I tried weed for the first time at fifteen years old. And I was like, okay, that's cool. And then I started just, you know, like not caring for school. Trying to be a wannabe game banger, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> and uh it was it was it was just bad, yeah. It was just bad because you know. Did you join a gang? No, I never joined any gangs. I was trying to be a wannabe gangbanger, but I, I didn't have it in me. Hmm. And my cousins being from like all over the place kind of kept me from that too. But I, I, I associated myself with certain people, mm-hmm. people that I don't know where they are now. I don't know where they are those people now. I don't, and I honestly don't care. Mm. But yeah, man, it was just a rough, you know, like a bring in and then coming over here thinking I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna bond with mom and there was there was no bondage, there was no we never bonded. Stepdad was on the side, uh, kind of like, and I never really liked him. He kicked me out of the house. He kicked me out of the house and then I got together with this group of kids who were like, just. Uh, up to no good and I was just like going from couch to couch and then somebody called my sister and asked her hey your brother's in the streets just fucking wandering around stealing doing I don't know what and then she picked me up but it didn't take long then I went to I went to Juvenile Hall for three months three months for what? uh one of the kids at school was messing around with me, you know, one of the kids at school was messing around with me, uh, and I, I, I was really afraid of this guy, I was really afraid of this guy, because he was bigger than me, yeah. and only one year older than me, but I was really scared of him, and I took a kitchen knife, but it wasn't like a little kitchen knife, it was a big kitchen knife, and I stuck it in my, in my, in my backpack. Because he was bullying you? He was he was uh he was bullying me. He was really you know. So for like we know not fuck it. I gonna take a knife with me just in case he yeah. yeah. And that that day they were checking people's backpacks in my classroom. One of the Did people... you panic When Paddock. We saw them do that. And uh, I was like, uh, I'm not doing anything. They're not gonna check my backpack because it, it was people I knew, but I didn't know they were gonna like. Oh, you know them and you talk to them too. So you know what. Let's go to the office. I'm like, oh, what the fuck! And they they took out this uh, it's probably like a, eleven inch knife, you know. Yeah, in a backpack. In a backpack, you know, like. <laughs> what was the reaction to that? I was like, oh, well, you know, I must have forgotten my backpack. You know, I was <laughs> like, oh no, you're not. Why are you carrying a knife around? <laughs> yeah, and then you know that I had already ready like. I ditched, uh, like, 15 detentions that I didn't attend to. You know you, have, you know how they used to give you the little card and, like, oh, you got uh 45-minute detention after school. I ditched, like, 15 or, or 18 of them. Mm-hmm. So they said, the principal at school, like, okay, so you already ditched. This amount of uh, detentions, we're not gonna put up with you. We're not taking to the uh, police department. They called the pol- uh, Hayward PD, and uh, they took me to to the police station. My dad, my mom came, had to come to relieve me, and uh, they can't pick me up. There was no words. My mom didn't say shit. Stepdad didn't say shit. I was like, oh, okay, cool, I guess I can go out and play. I went home, I played, and then uh, this was, like, a Thursday or something. And like,
0: you you didn't have the notion of how, the gravity of the situation?
1: No, 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 I did not know. Because I, I, I didn't hurt anybody. And that's kind of, like, most of my trouble uh, uh, situations where, where I might have been holding something that I wasn't thinking of using but I was I was and you're you're not guilty but you're under suspicion which makes you kind of guilty and oh you were hanging I was hanging out I was always the guy I was always the guy cause I was trying to fit in so hard I was trying to fit in I was some. I met this dude who for a for a while the uh, he was doing stuff that I didn't know he was actually doing. Like what? Drugs and uh, car, car uh, what you call the car, uh, stealing cars and all that stuff. Okay, yeah, carjacking. Car, uh, carjacking and stuff. And I'm 16. This guy's only like 17 and a half, almost going on 18. Mm-hmm. I didn't know where, and I'm not trying to play innocent. I didn't really know he was doing that. And he had a he had the right criminal mind because he wasn't really telling people where he was coming up with money. Mm. He wasn't telling people, so he had already the the, the 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 mafioso type of mindset where you don't really tell people where you're getting money. Right. You don't. You keep all the dark secrets to yourself. You keep your mouth shut. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, I didn't really know a whole lot of that i knew he was getting into trouble i know he was kind of like doing drugs that part i did know Mm -hmm. but like him stealing cars and all that stuff like breaking people's houses that part i did not i honestly did not know and i'm like damn now 33 years old i'm like wow man (laughs) what the fuck dude it's funny when you look when you look
0: reflect back when you're a kid and you're like man i totally missed those clues
1: yeah, he was like, damn, dude, I, I get spooked and shit when I think about things like that. I'm like, man, this guy... Did uh, he ever put you in, in a situation where... You nah, know, we, we broke apart. Uh, he actually, he got to the point where he was asking me to set up somebody. Somebody that was supposed to be a friend or whatever. Set was, him up for what? Uh, For, for a beating. Oh. Because I guess he stole some uh, money or something. Yeah, it's never good. Yeah. Oh, does the thing. Listen, he did not tell me why I was supposed to set him up at a particular time and place. Yeah. He just told me that he has screwed up and I was supposed to take him to a particular place and this and that. And this is a dude whose mom I knew, that mom, his mom treated me like, because she knew I was running the streets and she... Fed me, she she would give me money sometimes, I'm yeah. like better than my own mom at the time. And I was like, as soon as I got the hint that they were gonna beat him up, no, nah, I didn't know why. I said I would do it, and then, but I didn't. In my mind, I'm like, no. So I kind of like I drifted apart. Did Did they beat him up? Uh, on their own yeah I didn't set them up and uh, and then did you feel bad? I feel bad but also after that they came after me for what? for not setting them up oh. and yeah and I was you, like, no, you fuck betrayed you. betrayed them. <laughs> I, yeah, I betrayed them for not knowing exactly what's going on. Fuck you guys. Well, so
0: yeah, I'm not... you have a good conscience, man. You're, you're, I think deep inside you're a good person, so it's like... It's, yeah, and it was sometimes just... Sometimes you you, you got to call the shots. You're like, you know what? I, I'm not going to do this anymore.
1: So I, I, you know, and... uh, But it's karma's a bitch because that guy, he he got caught with drugs and uh guns and with a stolen car or whatever so he ended up doing I don't know if he's still in prison or not but he's uh they I think he got some 30 to 35 yeah in prison but
0: the the hard part about
1: this is that you consider him as a friend you consider uh,
0: him a, uh, You know, the few friends you probably had, right? Yeah, at the time, yeah. And that's going to be hard, man, to kind of step away from that.
1: And you can't really go back home because you already got kicked out of your mom's house. Yeah. So, what was the game plan after high school then? After high school? After high school, I had already moved out of Hayward to Oakland. I moved to Hayward, I moved to Oakland uh, in 2002. So I lived in Oakland from 2002, to 2004 and a half, 2004, and seeing people dying in Oakland uh 17, you know, either from, like, crossfired fired or whatever. From crowd fire, you said? From, from, like, you know, like, straight bullets, you know, like. Oh, okay. And, and Shootings and stuff, yeah. Shootings that they were not even involved in. I kind of just, like, it was in my mind, you know the statistical numbers kind of spoke to me and they kind of hematized me into that kind of, into that belief, you know, that, oh, you know, I guess that's what's going to happen to me. Like, I internalized it, not like, oh, I want to die, but like... The probability of you dying was high. Yeah, and I was like, yeah. And at the time, another thing that I was uh, very aware of, you know, is that the Oakland and Richmond were like Made it to the top four deadliest cities in America, mm. and along with Chicago and Brooklyn and some other place in the south, I Atlanta, know Atlanta most likely. Uh, yeah, probably. But it was like they made it to the top five deadliest cities in America, and hearing that, li- listen to the news and stuff like that. I was like, ah, I'm probably gonna die, you know? All right. And it was just uh. Because it was like First People that you kind of Knew in high school People you acquainted In social places You know Are dying and stuff And then it's like Actual people That you actually Consider friends Are dying You're like oh It's getting closer The picture is getting closer You know I might be next I don't know And this is not coming from Somebody who was like A hardcore gangster It's just from a kid That was trying to fit in You know Mm -hmm. That's what I always was You know And uh that was a harsh reality, you know. That's why when I talk about the dog, the Rottweiler dog, you know, you know. Well, anyways, I, I have a Rottweiler dog. No, well, you know, hanging out with the with the wannabe gangsters, you know, and uh, <laughs> no, nah, uh, you probably don't remember that joke, so it wouldn't even make sense to tell you, you know. Yeah, it's it's uh, You have
0: a bit about a Rottweiler
1: dog. Yeah, Rottweiler dog when I couldn't really. Speak good English and stuff, you know. But, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's like it's a it's a it's a it's a Rottweiler, not a low rider. Right, right. So, anyways, yeah. So that that's where I, that kind of humor comes from. That, mm-hmm. and I and I haven't really emphasized on that, because I don't know how to make it. I don't know how to make it funny since it's super dark, you know. And I don't know how to make it well, funny like that.
0: So here. It seems like you're kind of waking up, watching all these atrocities happening around you, growing up. Uh, but in some ways, you kind of turned your life around. You decided to go for an education. You decided to go to SF yeah, State. Yeah, well, actu-
1: right? actually, this or you went to community college first. I went to Chabot College, and this is so dr- what motivated you to
0: go go to uh, it was uh, not, it university was, college.
1: It was not even motivation at the time. It was uh, one of my high school teachers who I was doing yard work for. Her, you know. She she kept asking like what you gonna do after high school I was like I really don't have an answer for that I don't know probably just got a job. Hold and, on, why did she have you doing yard work? Uh, she had me doing yard work cause she was in her house. Yeah, in her house. Why? <laughs> yeah, cause I told her I didn't have a job and I didn't have skills. I was really I opened up to her like that. I was like I don't have any job skills. I my my academic skills are really poor. I I barely know how to read and write. Mm-hmm. And then she she was like, well. You know, I know you live with your sister and you tell me, you're telling me that your sister is on drugs and you're telling me that your sister has drugs coming out of the house. She's like, you know what? I know you're not into that lifestyle. I know you, you kind of like, I can see you kind of like fearful of some of those things that you're telling me. Would you like to come and move in with me and my partner? She's gay. She's got a, uh, she, she's a, she's a lesbian. She's got a, uh a partner who she's been with for 40 years now. Wow, man. She opened her doors for you. Yeah. I, I, somebody from outside of my family, a white woman, yeah. a white gay couple opened the doors to me. How, how'd you like, how'd you feel about that? I was like, Oh, I don't know. I don't know. And then she asked, uh, a couple of times. And then I was like, you know, okay, I'm gonna give it a try see what happens. And, uh, and I and I, I still live with them, actually. I still live with them. Wow. So they kind of took over the role of maybe both mother and father in some way. Yes. Yes. One of them is kind of like the father. The father will not tell the kid because it's kind of hard to... I just... They talk to each other like, yeah, tell Enrique to don't do this. Oh, tell Enrique to don't do that. And the one who's more like a mother comes to me like, okay, Enrique. Uh, yeah, I don't think... Uh, Patricia likes this Can you not do this Or And then
0: Wow man It's amazing though It's amazing that they
1: Opened the doors for you And that They they really took care of you And it's like uh, I went from living Like a Monkey There was no There was no transition Like a preview Of what my life would be Going from like A poor Status To like Upper middle class not just upper-middle-class, but upper-middle-class Caucasian family. That really had, it was some kind of trauma after I turned to to realize where I was and the things that I had missed. Like, I would see them, like, in families that they they don't, the couple that adopted me didn't have kids of their own and uh, but when they will have their straight brother and sisters with their kids coming over t- to the house I would see how they talk to their kids you know like really by the book they really not insisting on it demanding but more like nurturing in a very nurturing way like no Carson you don't do this because your sister you you you're making, you're making you, making your sister feel bad, or, or. They treat.
0: They didn't treat them like kids. They 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 treat them like adults, essentially.
1: Yeah, yeah, but in a very nurturing way. They found okay. a way to explain things to them, and I seen what I, seen what I had missed as a child. It, again, everything came right back. Everything came right back from my childhood. I was like, man, any any any. It aroused my frustration, my bitterness. Oh, I yeah. made it worse. It, 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 I know it's ironic. It's, it's funny that I, it's funny that I made that. It that I'm here and I'm supposed to be happy and everything, but it built the frustration. It awoke the frustration even more. It aroused my anger. Why? Because,
0: I mean, did you take it out on the couple that
1: took? No, you no, in? no, no. That no, it was you, you it wasn't towards it, them. It, it wasn't towards them it was towards my mom and dad and right. and brothers and 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 uh relatives that were supposed to take care of me that's when i i really the frustration and the loneliness I, it 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 was it grew even bigger cuz there was no a b c you're going here i went from like a all the way to y z you mm-hmm. know yeah and and when you don't have the little steps to grow into something right it's gonna be some build some uh, frustration some anger confusion and all that stuff so I'm going to community college and I'm trying to educate myself so I'm seeing that the way they treat their kids and how they communicate with each other and what being happy is just it's like a temporary thing being full of joy is way above and beyond happiness. Happy, being happy. Yeah. Because being full of joy is more like uh, you know, being aware of who you are, being happy with yourself. Sure. Yeah. And because when you're full of joy, you know how to deal with your hard time with hard times. Right. You know how to maneuver through hard times. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't full of joy. I was happy, sad, happy, sad, and uh. It's like I I learned that money is not everything by being with them. Even though they're financially stable, they're well-established financially. But I know that that's not what makes them happy. It's how they communicate with their family. It's how they communicate with each other, how they treat each other, how they live with each other, how they deal with with their differences. That's the most important thing. They got family members that are real conservatives. They're, they're, they're lesbians, but they're, they got family members who are still very Christian, very Christian. But somehow, some of those people come to the house, and they're, they're, everything gets put aside because mm-hmm. they're, they're brothers and sisters and cousins, and, and they put everything aside. Politics in the table is not really a subject that they would talk about. Mm-hmm. Politics, they will not really talk about politics. They won't really talk about social, social justice like that on the table. They will kind of put those things aside, but they will talk about work. They will talk about sports. They will talk about you know things that, that they know that they'll be so happy to talk about with each other. Mm-hmm. And uh, and in my family, who everybody happened to grow up in different environments, you know, uh, he, he, me going to college, educating myself. I would go visit my, my sister and I would see, you know, how she treats her kids and I'm like it just again it became very frustrating for me. I'm like, fuck man, what the fuck? You don't talk to a kid like that. And it was uh it's like they the, the the gay couple who adopted me kinda like showed me what I could have but knowing that it was it's almost impossible for me to have it it built a very very the frustration just it kept it kept growing and growing so it showed you
0: what you could have and it it also showed you what you could never have because the time already passed yeah yeah and you couldn't get that time back
1: yeah and i couldn't get all those experiences back yeah
0: but you know because we're closing up pretty soon uh Dude, that's fascinating to hear And thank you for sharing Um, But considering You went to school You did theater I know that stuff So
1: when did stand-up comedy come into play? Uh, I did that at Chabot And I did that (laughs) Because I worked out of a play Uh, And I was like I told one of my One of my cast members I was like Hey, you know what? I think I'm going to go to Tommy T's And I'm going to work on this And I did a little I wrote a two-minute and two minute and twenty five second little bit that I had, and uh, and I worked on it for I worked on that two minute for about a week, like intensely, mm-hmm. and then I got I got some some decent laughs, and uh, and then I thought that I was a natural, you know. So like for the next couple of weeks, I bomb, bomb, <laughs> bomb, 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 bomb. But you got the bug
0: yeah you're like oh my god I love doing stand up
1: yeah yeah it was a it became therapeutic but it became but it's been always part of me because I never really had shame to talk about myself in public you know it wasn't it took um, I don't know I kind of had it always always wanted to be outdoor like talk to people socialize so that was part of me but the therapeutic part Is to talk about things That I wouldn't talk to Other people In a regular conversation You know Right So that's what The therapy came But I don't really try to be like Other comics From San Francisco That you just talk about shit Without punchline I'm like Yeah You really hate the comedy scene In San Francisco I don't hate it I don't hate it I just I just don't like How they maneuver Through comedy And they don't They don't channel Their emotions right That's the only thing That's the only thing that's the only thing, but I don't have. I so don't, for for
0: you, stand up has to come from an emotional place. Uh,
1: no. I, emotional can and emotional can be from some some that you feel how you feel about something that happened not to you, but like so in, in your surroundings or whatever, or it can be something that happened to you. So no, it has to come from a place of. Uh, of truth, and uh, not only a place of truth, but a place of a uh, uh, reconciliation, a place of. Because for me to talk about myself, I'm reconciliating myself. I'm reconciling. What was the word? Recon- reconciling. Reconciling. Yeah. Reconciling with myself, and, and you know, and they don't bring that. Then is they just like angry, angry, angry. Like oh, I will just stay angry, and, and and and. Well,
0: you have plenty of reasons to be angry. You know, you, yeah. you, you have plenty of reasons to do angry comedy. How come? How come you stayed away from that?
1: Because uh, it'll eat you. It'll it'll chew you up. It'll eat your life. And I'm not. I don't want to get eaten by my anger. I'm controlling that anger, maneuvering it around. It's a tool. Now this day, uh, at this day, at this stage in my life, now anger is a tool for me. Frustration is a tool for me. It doesn't run my life. I'm I. I connect my brain with my heart, and I pour out out of my soul the the anger that I feel in a in a proper way. But, you,
0: but you don't let it define your act.
1: Exactly, exactly. I'm not an angry comic. I'm a I'm a, I'm a thoughtful, compassionate, understanding comic. I, I I love myself. I I love. I'm blessed <laughs> I'm sorry man it's just you say that stuff and I, and I see I know you're a compassionate guy but come on you got a couple dick jokes and jokes. yeah but, I mean <laughs> it's okay it's okay I'm, I love myself and I accept <laughs> myself for who I am I embrace what I embrace my my curse because my my curse became my blessing mm. I've been blessed with my curse how, how did
0: your, uh, your the, the couple that took you in reaction to you doing stand up
1: they liked it. They they kind of knew. They kind of knew it was necessary for me to do it. They never told me. That's good that you channeling channeling your your anger. They have they ever seen you perform? No, and I don't think they will anytime soon. Until I, I wanna be able to clean up my act, almost as clean as uh Patrick, Patrick's act. I wanna be like able. Like Dermot, to, yeah, yeah, because that guy is super clean. But I, I, I want to be able To clean it up to Not super clean But clean enough For them to like Actually Hear it And be able to Enjoy it themselves But so right now yeah. I won't I won't be able to Perform for them Right now So right now So when you first Started doing comedy What open mics Were you hit up Oh man It was just uh, I would just do Actually I would only do Like One or two mics A week I wasn't hitting Like four or Five mics a week I was doing Which mics The Brainwash on Thursday, when it wasn't Thursday. Yeah. Tommy T's on Mondays. Uh, They had a place that closed down. It was called the Ana Ana Sociable Club in San Francisco, somewhere on Folsom or Howard, something like that. And then, uh, uh, where where else would I go? Dorsey's Lockers. I love that place, Dorsey's Lockers, because they was the, the mini Apollo of San Francisco. Mm, they were, yeah. they would they. They were they were, harmless. <laughs> if you were bombing, they would let you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was uh, an urban crowd, right? Oh yeah, that's yeah. that's me. That's me. That <laughs> that's me. So yeah, man. But yeah, I'm not an ang- an uh, I'm not, not an angry comic, man. Well,
0: it's inter- interesting now. I think it's kind of beautiful. And since some way for the longest time, you felt like you were trying to fit in hard right yeah, yeah you find you couldn't really find you know the, the people turn yourself did you feel once you started in the comedy community you make friends do you now feel like you're part of something like part of a group a part of friends that, that are there for you
1: yeah I, yeah because some people understand you better they they even when they don't understand you They kind of like Take a few steps back And they don't try to judge you it, it, it's, it's a complete outsider well,
0: a, a lot of comedians man we're, we're, we're broken people You know And we We, yeah. we could definitely uh, Sympathize with others Yeah 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 You, you know we're, we're, It's not like Oh shit That guy has issues And we're like Yeah I get it You know
1: Yeah I relate to that And, and sometimes I'll be very straightforward With some people I'll be like Hey look I'm sorry I don't know What you're going through I apologize For what you're going through And I hope that it gets better And that's all I do, but I don't, I don't, I don't try to stick around Mm -hmm. with people that I, that I don't really relate to, Mm -hmm. but I, the best thing I can and and do is just, um, so I hope it gets better, Mm. and you're not alone, there's thousands of people, millions of people that are, they've gone through similar situations, you know. So, yeah, I know I'm not the only person who feels isolated, that felt isolated and lonely and uh, frustrated, you know. I know I'm not the only one out there, you know, coming from a Latino poor neighborhood, moving up into a rich, yeah, pretty much upper middle class, kind of rich neighborhood with a kind of rich white family, gay white family, Mm -hmm. you know. Come a long way, bud. Yeah, I became more uh, less judgmental of like the when it comes to race and uh, social class, like sort of like sorry, sort of like what uh, Patrick was talking about yesterday. Don't judge somebody because he's in the office working, making paperwork. He might have gone. He might have gone. He kind of went on a rant last night when we we No, but I I respect him. I I respect him, and and thank God I'm able to talk to him. Now, because through reading and, and, and educating myself and seeing, meeting people from poor neighborhoods, I mean, from my background and people from like the middle class, upper middle class and rich class, I can sort of, I respect what he said last night. And I don't blame him for being angry. Yeah, yeah. I don't blame him for being frustrated I think it's more frustration than than like angry angry. he's
0: certainly right man there's a certain um, I mean I don't want to generalize I don't think it's all everybody in this generation but there's a good amount of people who who complain a little too much oh yeah who don't take much accountability (laughs) yeah you know and especially you know in our field of entertainment oh yeah you know, where they expect, you know, Oh my god, and why you know, how come I'm not, you know, well known comic <laughs> or something like that? It takes yeah. a lot of work. Oh yeah. And you, and on top of that, you know, that some people can judge all oh, like oh that person doesn't hit that many mics or that person. Yeah. Uh, and I think his point of view was like, Hey, you gotta work hard you know not just like work hard in your creativity but yeah. also work hard in life to make money oh, yeah. to, to make to live oh, yeah. and to afford houses and to afford whatever things you yeah. need and not just be like oh yeah i'm gonna do comedy and i'm gonna do drugs yeah. all the time and i'm just gonna <laughs> chill he's certainly right oh yeah and uh and but yeah man i', I was just trying to eat enjoy my Dandy's burger <laughs> uh,
1: oh yeah <laughs> i'll just oh, yeah. To enjoy my food yeah i don't i don't even know why he left i don't know who what, what what why the Popped out of his mouth, but what wh- 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 was that? The why? What made him say that?
0: Uh, no, no. I mean, we, it was a good conversation. Don't get me wrong. And Patrick's an awesome guy. Uh, oh yeah. No, oh, yeah. we had a new comedian, Anu. She performed at Stop Face She came with us to Denny's afterwards, you know, just to hang out. And we were talking about how she's from India, from a uh-huh. third world country, and how like you know some you know Americans complain. I was like, dude, you haven't even, you know, lived in a in a third world country. You haven't even lived, like. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, y- yeah. Y- you have no idea what suffering is like.
1: Yeah, you don't know what it's like to sell. Well, I wouldn't suffer when I sold, uh, what you call it? Uh, pomadas, you know. Right. like he, the, 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 it the, was uh, I enjoyed it at the time. So, But, um, yeah, yeah, it gets a little rough. Well, Kike, we've made it to the hour. All right. Thank really? you so much it's for coming. A, it's been an hour? Yeah. Wow. Thank you so, so much yeah. for coming, man. Oh, no, thank you for having me. Yeah, thank, you th- for... And thank you for sharing. Oh, yeah. I always, always, always. Uh, where can people usually find you doing comedy, or do you, do you do the social media stuff? Uh, I'll be on Facebook under Kike Ochoa, Q-U-I-Q-U-E, Ochoa, O-C-H-O-A, that's my my actual profile on Facebook, if you want to find me. I'll be posting where I'll be performing, most likely at Woodham's, uh, almost every Monday. Uh, sometimes I do Slap Face with Faco. Sometimes I do the Sun Fairy Lounge in Livermore. Sometimes I do Tommy T's. Uh, uh, and I never been to the improv, but I hopefully, hopefully, I'll get to the improv. I love that room. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know the manager, but I love that room and I want to be there. <laughs> I want to be able to perform at the uh, improv. Uh, I do shows in little rooms here and there: North Bay, East Bay, South Bay, sometimes even West Bay you can catch me almost in every bar, almost in every dive dive bar in in the Bay Area. So, good.
0: So. You're breaking my heart.
1: <laughs> why? Why not for Scotty? For Scotty? Oh, for Scotty. That's why. No. For Scotty. Wednesdays. What was that uh, about? You seven, totally skipped me. What? Seven seven p.m. Eight p.m. What? You get it right. Come well, on. Well, you gotta be there at seven p.m. so you can warm up with a couple of beers and get ready for the comics because actually we do have a lot of great comics and the host is a great host as well <laughs> I like the you totally forgot yeah, no yeah, dude, you totally Jorge, forgot to mention it Jorge, I see how it is Jorge I has, see how it is Jorge has a great room uh, a <laughs> fresh cottage downtown San Jose every Wednesday yeah yeah it starts at 7pm I don't care what he says 7pm get there get a couple of drinks coffee or a beer or just a tea it's a great it's a great room people are very friendly The host is very friendly. A lot of... Most of the comics are friendly, even though some of them are cuckoo, but... Who? uh, No, I don't want to say her name. Uh, Cuckoo? Yeah.
0: Okay. Okay, anyway. Yeah. Well, Kike, thank you for coming.
1: Uh, Thank you for having me, man. Anytime. Take care. All right. Bye-bye.
0: Alright, that is Kiki Ochoa, comedian extraordinaire here at the JMS Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Don't forget to subscribe to the JMS Podcast on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, SoundCloud, and on Google Play. Alright, that's it for this week. Have a good one. Take care. And I'll see you next week. We have a very special guest. So look forward to that. Sayonara, everybody.